everybody, and welcome to Learning from Smart People. I am your host, Rob Oliver, and today I'm kind of, I'm excited because I have my spinal cord injury kind of twin here today. Um, of course, we're fraternal twins, but um, my guest is Tiffany Carlson, and in just a little bit of a conversation that we've had together, uh, she and I both sustained our injuries in 1993. She's a couple years younger than me, but in spinal cord years, it's about the same. We're the same age. So <laughs> yeah. uh, Tiffany has been uh, sharing the disability experience online since the early 90s when she shared oh, yeah. her spinal cord injury story with others on AOL. She is now the executive director of Spinalpedia, a nonprofit helping people with spinal cord injuries, and was also the SCI Life columnist for 14 years for New Mobility Magazine. Uh, Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I was so happy to hear from someone like yourself the other day. I'm like, I need to be on a podcast. I do too many podcasts. I like to be interviewed once in a while. It's nice. It's it's fun to sit on the other side of the microphone every now and then. It really, really is. And I always like to meet new people, um, people with paralysis doing shows too. I haven't heard about you before and I was checking your show out and all those people you've interviewed that are doing all these cool, interesting things with their lives. I love learning from smart people. What a cool title of your show too. So, well, you know, listen, mm -hmm. the basic premise of the show is everybody has something that they know more about than I do. And I can learn from whoever it is that comes on the show. And that isn't necessarily because I'm stupid. Um, it, I, I know a lot of stuff about a lot of stuff, but uh, the, I, I really think that being a good leader and being an intelligent person is acknowledging the fact that we can't all be experts in everything. Let's talk to other people who've got expertise and other people that we can learn from. So I'm glad sure. that you're here. Let, well, thank you again. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So let me just, I feel like I've gotten into a really bad habit of starting my show off with the same question every time, but it's a great question. And that is okay. like, tell me your backstory. Tell me what happened with you and kind of how did you, how did you acquire your disability? Sure. Um, well, I like, like you were saying earlier, we're similar um, in length of time paralyzed. I was hurt in 1993, and, um, right before I started high school, which of course is nothing anyone ever plans for, but that's for everybody, I guess, when they get um, a spinal cord injury. And so since I was, you know, 14 at the time, it was really hard. Um, you know, I had a C5-6 injury. I was at a the lake and with my friends and we were just playing around and diving into the lake and saw some people having some fun over on the slide in the water and um, saw some people taking some dives in the water and followed suit but my dive ended up being the wrong I guess style of dive I hit my head on the sand and broke my neck at the c56 level um, and I ended up drowning because my friends and no one knew and it was um, just a really very scary ex, you know, experience. So I was uh, fortunately revived and brought back into the hot, and then they um, had me straight to the hospital where they had to do that massive uh, plate surgery on my neck and all that stuff. So it was a long rehab. I was in the hospital for about three months and they are like, all right, here's your power wheelchair. Go home now and live your life in your wheelchair. Bye-bye now. <laughs> so yeah. that's kind of what happened. Um, and so I went home around, I remember Thanksgiving. I had to start my freshman year of high school on Thanksgiving. and that So that was already weird starting three months later. And then on top of it being paralyzed. So it was really hard. It was 1993. So there was no 
internet yet. There was not really any social, obviously no social media. So I was kind of alone in the world in terms of trying to figure out how I was going to live my life. I was, it was our, it was really, really difficult on self-esteem for my self-esteem for sure. I can imagine. I understand completely. All right. So now you've got me intrigued. Was it, I'm assuming then based on the time frame you're giving, like, are you injured in August? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right before I started high school. Okay. So mm-hmm. what was the date in August? August 25th. All right. Cause I was August 20th. So we were oh, literally yeah. within a week of each other. That's wow. yeah. Um, a lot of injuries happen in August. And I think it's because of a lot of people doing stupid summer stuff in August. Um, Mm-hmm. I cannot argue with anything that you said there. I was going to try and elaborate, <laughs> but I'll just let it go and say, yeah. Uh, Pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. So mm-hmm. I guess one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is your story and mm-hmm. what you decided to do with your story. You start early on by sharing your story on AOL. Okay. <laughs> and now yep. for everyone mm-hmm. in my audience who is mm-hmm. um under the age of, I'm guessing, 25 and has no idea what AOL is. Can you, it, that's kind of like the early, the early beginnings of social media, I think. Yeah, um, so well, you got social media. I, at the time, no one was calling it that, of course. Right. But yeah, I was getting, I was in high school, I was home paralyzed going, I hate my life. And all of a sudden, guess what I got in the mail one day? A free sign up for AOL. And I was like, well, this is going to be pretty cool. So I had this computer that they, they got me for my rehab, uh, for my uh, benefit. They, you know, it was this very expensive Packard Bell. It was like $2,000, this beast of a computer. And so I didn't really know what to do with it, but I got this free AOL subscription, which essentially was your ticket to the internet. And so you could get online, there's chat rooms, and people to talk to and there was communities there's disability communities which was really cool and that was my first foray into like meeting other people online who had disabilities and the best part was you had your name your profile people could click on it and read about you and then I started talking about my injury I didn't want to mention it at first of course and then I'm like well I'll talk about it because there was disability rooms that I found they were national there was nothing local to my state but I thought well this is really cool so that was kind of how I started deciding then well maybe I should talk about my injury then so I would put it in my profile and then uh, AOL everyone got their own hometown page which was essentially a precursor to like these little your website that people have nowadays URLs but back then people weren't buying URLs you were getting these little hometown pages and then you could like design it it was all really basic there's no coding involved you just like pictures and fonts and like little text blurbs up and that's when I started sharing my story about my injury and I was really interested when I was a teenager because as I was 16 17 talking about you know how you could let a dress fashionably in a wheelchair that was one of my first like passions and it turned out to be an advocacy thing but I didn't realize it at the time because I was just so you know into it as a, a teenager but no one I had never really seen anyone else talking about it of course and I had this revelation at summer camp when I was first injured that hey I don't have to be all sad and depressed anymore let me talk about this to these AOL people and then that started from the hometown page and then after a couple of years I decided let me do something more serious with this hometown page this isn't really doing much but I got a couple of writing gigs out of it. My first writing job I got in 1998 um, because of that little hometown page. I was asked to write for this one of the first websites that started on online for people with disabilities. It was called halftheplanet.com. Did you ever hear about that? I've not. So halftheplanet.com was started by this 
like philanthropists in New York City in the late 90s who had a daughter, a relative in a, in a wheelchair. And so they called it halftheplanet.com because the idea was that half the planets either know someone with a disability or has a disability. So half the planet is somehow affected by disability. So it was really a cool site. It didn't last very long. I kind of went away when the internet bubble kind of burst in the late 90s. Okay. So, but I was getting paid a dollar a word when I was like in college, it was great. Wow. So I was like, this is amazing. So I'm like, wow, all from my AOL page, I was getting asked to write about disability experiences. I remember they told me, Tiffany, you're using too many exclamation points in your articles. Please stop. <laughs> nice. Well, the, of, of course, any teenager that's trying to express themselves, yeah. especially when you're dealing with something that you are as passionate about as a spinal cord injury, of course you're going to use too many exclamation points. <laughs> yeah, I was. I thought that I'll always remember that um, edit critique, one of my first from that site. But yeah, and so then I went to school. I went to college, Augsburg College, um, which is a small liberal arts college in Minneapolis and had a lot of disability services on campus. So I could live there and have PCAs. All the buildings were connected by underground tunnels or skyways. So when it snowed, I didn't have to be stuck outside in the sidewalk. And I thought I was going to do a business communications kind of job. I wasn't thinking about doing internet media until these internet jobs started coming along. And then I changed it to mass communications. Um, so, but then around 2002, I bought beautyability.com, the URL, and that's when I moved all of the content that I was talking about on AOL onto a real website <laughs> and right. decided I should actually maybe, so I thought beautyability sounded good and I bought that and I've had it now for 18 years. Yeah. Wonderful. So tell me then a little bit, cause I love what you talked about. You said that you're 16, 17 years old, you're, yeah. you go to summer camp and you you realize like, I'm beautiful. Okay. And yeah. I was beautiful. I am beautiful. And being in a wheelchair doesn't change that. And a lot of times people talk about like the inner beauty, but, and, and I'm not saying that you're not, that you don't have inner beauty, but you're talking about being fashionable in a wheelchair, yeah. not just being yeah. like this. I'm beautiful on the inside and you just can't see it because I'm in a wheelchair. You're saying I am beautiful and I am going to look fashionable well, as well. At 16, it was more of both, I think, for okay. me, because I was very, I didn't think anyone wanted to be, be with a girl in a wheelchair. You know, I think we all think that at first. So I didn't see anyone who was married or anyone who had a, even a significant other in a wheelchair at the time. So I just thought nothing was possible. So my self-esteem wasn't doing that great. And so I went to this camp and I um, met some really cool people with disabilities that were dating and even met a guy that I started dating. And I saw some people in chairs dressing really fashionably too. And I had this old haha mo like moment where going, hmm, I really was wrong about this whole disability lifestyle thing. I can still, you know, have a boyfriend, dress cool, you know, do all the stuff, sit it down, seated, you know, and I didn't think that it could be good still. I thought, oh, shoot, this is not going to be the life I always wanted for myself. And I just didn't think I could do it in a wheelchair. But so, yeah, when I, I learned all this just by being around peers, you know, that's why peer mentoring is so important when you have a spinal cord injury. You got to see people doing it. But when I was hurt in 93, I didn't have Instagram to go, oh, hashtag wheelchair life and see people doing things. And that would have right. been amazing for me. So it took, you know, meeting these folks and then realizing, hey, I was wrong. And then, of course, when you start feeling that way, it emanates through you. People just can feel it. So I had this new confidence that was really huge. And I think people noticed that um, my later years in high school and stuff and that, you know, it just was like I felt really excited about having this 
whole light bulb moment of knowing that my life can be really great still. And I think so many, when you have that moment, it's really exciting because yeah, let's face it. Paralysis is like the worst thing that can happen to you and there's nothing anybody can do to fix it. And so when you're living with it and you're like, well, I'm really screwed. So it really was a big deal for me to finally realize, you know, it sucks. All these things are still going to, I can't walk. Yeah. I can't feel lots of stuff. And there's a lot of things I need help with, but I can still meet my dreams and still be beautiful inside and out, or just be beautiful, you know, to be beautiful as a woman is something that's really, you know, important to a lot of, to feel beautiful, to feel wanted by whoever you're attracted to and all that stuff. And, you know, to, to kind of be who you always felt like you are inside. And so a lot of, I think people, male or female, when they become paralyzed, they feel like their identity is like taken away a little bit. And so you um, try harder to get it back. And so I think I was really excited about talking about exterior, whether it was plastic surgery or, you know, makeup or fashion, just letting people know, Hey, if you are paralyzed, you can still do all this stuff. You don't have to go, well, that doesn't matter anymore because I'm in a wheelchair and nobody cares how I look or it doesn't really matter because you still are a human being living on this planet that's sexual and should, you know, don't let that stop just because you happen to have a spinal cord injury. And for that was a big deal in the 90s. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you've hit on so much stuff there. And um, I feel like we're talking about obviously my life and your life being just so similar in that um, I was very fortunate in going through this. I had, I was the girl I was dating at the time actually stuck with me and is my wife oh, today. Nice. So she's, she's oh. absolutely an amazing lady. I um, love those stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, in very much the same way, there is that struggle that says I, I had the struggle when it was time to become a dad. Okay. Mm. Because I look at all of the things that dads do and dads build tree houses and dads throw footballs and dads do all those things. And I'm like, that's not me. I am never going to do that because I'm in a wheelchair. And um, I had to come to realize the essence of being a dad is not about creating structures. Um, It's about building relationships. So we talked about, you know, a dad teaches his kid right and wrong. A dad um, loves his kids no matter what, and a dad is there when his kids need him. And like those, those light bulb moments that you talked about, where you come to understand what is the essence of life, what is the essence for you? It's what is the essence of being a woman, right? What is the essence yeah. of being a man, being a human, being a dad, being whatever yeah. it is? And yeah. how do you use the skills that you have to to do that? It, am I? Are we talking the same language here? You're absolutely true. Yeah, because it's like you it's the essence of of humanity. And, you, and yeah, and a spinal cord injury may make it different. But at the end of the day, it's still the, the core components don't change too much. Right. Like being a dad, these you got to love. Like I interviewed a girl who's paralyzed and she was a mom and she kind of said the same thing. Tiffany, all that matters at the end of the day is that the child knows that you love them and they don't care about all the other stuff that you can't do. Right. What? And yeah, on a side note, I think my kids actually benefit from my disability because they have learned a whole different level of independence that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, So, uh, so let me get back to you because the show is about you and not about me. Uh, Sorry, I'm doing doing podcast mode on you now. See, I could could interview you now. (laughs) Uh, It's all good. So you get this website and it kind of is, it morphs from what you're doing on your hometown page and you're doing some blogging and you're telling your story. So 
you're kind of, I'm assuming an early adapter blogger. Do you have some, can you tell us about your experience as a blogger and can you share some experiences for other folks out there who are, you know, doing the same thing or want to get their story out there? Yeah, well, that's the thing. You know, I just started writing about my own personal story and that's what everyone that's successful in the blogging world does. Uh, you need to talk about what you've experienced in life and talk about if it's a hardship, spinal cord injury, and you can, I, and, I, and that's what engages people. That's why you see people that are fighting cancer or they've gone through any kind of adversity in life. Those are the blogs that people flock to just because people want to see how the hell did you get through this and how are they doing that and how can I apply to my life? And for you, it's therapeutic, you know, and so it's a win-win for everybody. And for me, I didn't go into it thinking it was going to be my career. And that's the cool thing about um, sometimes you follow your passion and then sometimes it can make you money, which is pretty cool. You know, right. I, and you're not going to become a millionaire. Um, so maybe you can be in a blogger nowadays, but sure. that's, that's the really cool thing is, you know, you, if you, if you love what you're talking about and you really believe in it, people will, will feel it. And for me, you know, in the early days when I started talking about my injury on my website back then, it was, there was no like I didn't even call it a blog. I was just writing articles, you know, and putting them on my site. And that was like the early 2000s. And it's kind of funny. I think I can't think of the year when people started actually calling websites like more like a blog. I think around maybe 2007, 2008. I think WordPress started coming into the scene and people started doing WordPress blogs. Right. I think yeah. I have no idea. We'll go with your numbers. I, I trust you. I think that's about right. And yeah. that's when I started changing my site from like, it was just all, all over the place. And, um, and then it went to more of a blog format in 2007. And that's, and so it's kind of more that way now. And I kind of keep it that way because people like it. And, um, I have a whole, you know, different sections on there and it was, you know, and I started that in 2007, the official site. And so by 2004, I wanted to, you know, do more with my writing career because I was just doing some blogging and really wasn't, I thought, well, this would be cool to write about the disability experience for other people. And so I reached out to New Mobility Magazine, because I had met this woman in Minneapolis who was a quadriplegic and a reporter for the local CBS affiliate. Her name is Darcy Polland, and she was a reporter, a C56 quadriplegic as well, in a power chair doing the news. Really cool lady. And so I interviewed her for an article for New Mobility Magazine. It was a feature. She's cool, by the way, she passed away. Oh. And so um, they loved the article, and they um, asked me after I wrote it to be their columnist for the magazine after I wrote that because Barry Corbett had passed away. So um, so that was really an honor because I did not expect that. Yeah, and so that was really cool um, to um, kind of start doing the writing for a magazine just because I had been writing online right. for the first like six, seven years, just sharing my story on my website. Okay, so you kind of have, that. you and I both kind of have a natural niche and mm -hmm. um, Part of your niche is spinal cord injury. For me, I, I don't know. I think I find myself fighting my niche sometimes in that I don't want to be just the spinal cord injury guy. I want to right. be I want to be seen. And I, I think this actually has to do with what you were talking about as well. When you're developing your self-identity following your injury, where mm -hmm. um, you're worried that like, are people going to be able to see who I am? Are they going to be able to see past the chair? Are they going to be able to see past yeah. the paralysis? Um, and so I, that's why my podcast is about entrepreneurship. It's about business. It's about, you know, making money. It's all of those items. I and, love that. And mm -hmm. it's, it, it's not necessarily based in spinal cord injury. 
do you have some advice for people that are trying to find their spot and you know, how do you yeah. find your niche? Sometimes your niche is given to you. Sometimes <clears throat> what are your thoughts there? It's tough. You know, I think for everyone, you, you feel more of it's like it's meant to be for me. I do feel like my niche was meant to be for me. I think I'm a good at speaking about spinal cord injury. I love it. I'm passionate about it. And I had no problem making it my kind of expertise. You know, even if people put make me the spinal cord injury girl, I don't really care. But I do feel like I'm good at it. I've lived it. I've experienced it. So, you know, if you know it, you've lived it, and you can make money off of it, do try to make that your niche, whether it's from a broken home and you can write about that or you're talking about living in the middle of nowhere and how you're finding making it work. If it, you know, I think there's just so many life experiences that people go through. And, you know, it could be the most weirdest, smallest experience that you might think nobody even cares about. But even that is when you might even shine the most because people – don't even think they're interested in it. I don't even, and you don't even talk about your own life experience. You know, there's lots of things people ex are experiencing, like, like the one lady that writes about Egyptian art and she's never been there, but she finds it exciting and she loves it anyways. And, sure. you know, I, I just think, you know, life is short. Don't do something just because you think it's going to make you money, like a business blog on like marketing and iPhones or something like that. Right. I mean, people do it and they do make money off of it. And in fact, if you love tech, you should do that. But I don't know. I'm just from a, you know, I've had a like life, you know, death experience or a death, you know, I almost died, you know, when you that, sure. you, that happens to you, you almost, you, I just, I'm very, I, I, sometimes I don't know if I give the most smart advice. I'm like, do what you love. And if it doesn't always pay, it's okay. But right. you know, I do feel like if you really love it, it'll always shine through your art or your product that you're making. And we all know that the most successful business people love to get up every day and do it and it's hard you know i know when you're i was in college i'm like oh i didn't really know disability was going to be my niche i didn't think well spinal cord injury disability was going to be the main thing i was going to do up until what i'm 41 now i had but it just ended up becoming that for me and i over the years you can sometimes jump out of your niche if you need to to pay the bills i've done that a couple times and that's okay yeah. but you know mainly if i would say your niche should be something that you love. And then if you have to do something on the side sometimes to kind of supplement, you should do that too. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's so hard. And sometimes I feel like it'll just, it'll present itself to you. You may not need to find it. It may just knock on your door one day and go, this is what you should be doing. And you're like, wow, I'm good at this. You know, right. just try to listen to the world and, and what people are, how they're re reacting to what you're doing. And you know, if, just you can see if people are excited about what they're, they're like a certain thing that you've done, maybe go in that direction or something. It's just it's hard to say. But um, as you get older, you can kind of I don't know. It's, it's easier as you get older. Sometimes when you're younger, things just seem so impossible. Sure. What? And sometimes the advice that people get, especially when they're younger, is about like, um, you know, whatever it is that you want to do, like figure out, can you make money at this? OK. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And. What you're talking about is that money is secondary. Finding something that you're passionate about, finding something that um, you're doing that connects you with other people. Yeah. And then the kind of the monetization step, step comes next. Because I think what I'm hearing you say is as you share your struggle, that it, connect, it brings people together. 
it connects people because everybody's got struggles, everybody's got difficulties. And as you share yours, people identify with that and they want to hear more about it. it, it am I? Oh, it, you're right. We all know that. That's the beauty of the internet is being able to collectively bring everyone together and talk about stuff that you would never be able to do before, you know? And when I, I, I have met so many amazing people just through sharing my story. And I think you probably have to, whether it's on my, my blog, I've met some people that have flown up to see me. I mean, countless stories of just, um, just like from just sharing my story and, and trying to help others. I mean, it's just, it really is crazy. It just, it fills my soul up really to think um, all these years and how many people you can just help just by talking about what you've gone through, you know, and it's, it's really is, I never thought in a million years, the internet would be where it is today either, by the way, with social media. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact is there's 7 billion people in the world and whatever it is that you are going through, it's likely that there's somebody else out there that's going through something similar. And they, I know this, I've felt this and you mentioned it. There are times when you feel alone because you look yeah. around and nobody, nobody in my house, nobody on my block, nobody in my neighborhood looks like I do and goes right. through what I do. And, and, mm -hmm. and you can feel very lonely with that. But as you share that story, what you find out is, uh, yeah, you're not alone in that at all. And that's the thing. I've had women in chairs write me since I started my site saying, oh, Tiffany, your site was the site that helped me from my, when I was newly injured because you were vetted. You, I knew you were actually who you said you were. Right. You were actually a paralyzed lady that's been living the experience. And so I, uh, I love to hear from people that will write me because I'm like, that's kind of what I was hoping for because that's what I had wanted when I was newly injured. And since I didn't have it, I was trying to provide that for other women so they didn't have to be all depressed for like four years until they've met someone like I did. Sure. That changed my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, basically what's happening is you're using the online tools to make a difference in people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the beauty of social media when it comes to, you know, going through difficult situations. It's so awesome. It's like a really huge support group that is the best support group ever. I can't tell you, you know, what uh, people, so a lot of times people don't want to share their, their hardships online, but once they do, they realize that it can just be so great. Like on Facebook, there's a million, you know, spinal cord injury support groups that I'm part of. And every day, hundreds and hundreds of people have advice and, and comments and experiences to share. And all of that is just kind of what I was, you know, what message boards in the early nineties and 2000s and 2000s were doing. And now it's all on Facebook. Now, no one uses message boards anymore. Sure. It's really, it's, it's funny how, how things have changed since 2008 when you know smartphones came out in 2008 and since then we've had these 12 years of the internet just completely completely changing and you know everyone's got a computer in their hand now and right. so everyone can talk from their from their hospital beds and they sure. can access the internet in a way that they could never before when they're newly injured i i hear from people all the time when they're like they're still in their beds and they're just they start searching right away for groups and support and everything you sure. know and that's just huge for people in terms of mental recovery after an injury yeah tiffany listen you i feel like i could talk to you all day because of the mm -hmm. commonalities that we have and i really think that um People are understanding, though, that this is not a C5-6 quadriplegic only conversation. This is a universal conversation for everybody that has experienced any type of adversity in your life. And that doesn't matter how big or how small 
all of us have experienced that. You've been fantastic. So if people people want to get in touch with you, um, give us your website. Give us any of um, any of your social media. Where can people yeah. get in touch with you? What's the best way? Sure. Sure. Thanks for letting me share my stuff. So the first site that I like, well, I, my baby is beautyability.com. So that's my site. You can find me there. Contact information, all of my Instagrams, Tiff Carlson and Twitter's Tiff Carlson. Tiff Carlson spelt like Tucker Carlson. I hate that guy, but I share the last name as him. It's horrible. Um, and yes, and so I also am the executive director for Spinalpedia. Spinalpedia.com um, is my executive director position, and I work there now after all these years. And my boss is a quadriplegic; he's a lawyer, and he helped asked me to work for him a few. Well, I've been working for that site for eight years. I started out as a blogger, and now I work as their director. And so we just, you know, help newly injured people through our site. You can go on there, and let's say you're a C3 injury, you can kind of put your injury level in and find videos that pertain to your mobility level, which is cool. And then we also do adaptive adventures when there's no pandemic happening, but that right. ain't going to happen probably for a while. So yeah, it's really fulfilling. Spinalpedia is my babes. And you should check us out on Instagram too. Spinalpedia is awesome. We share these really cool photos every day of people in wheelchairs from all around the world. So it's a really um, inspiring webpage and I love, and I post those photos every day and I love, I love Instagram for the, for the wheelchair stuff. It's really cool. I mm-hmm. will put all of that information into the show notes so that people can be sure and, and you. find you there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you have shown that you are indeed smart. I have learned from you, but now it's time for three questions to establish your humanity. Are you ready for this? Okay. I think so. <laughs> all right. Um, what is your most used emoji? Mm, thumbs up because I can't use my thumb. <laughs> okay. I feel your pain and mm-hmm. I have to tell you that that is most likely my... Uh, my most used emoji as this well. Is, this, is, this is what I can do. I can't do thumbs up anymore. I, I think it and the thumb don't move. Right. So yes, That's I do thumbs get. up emoji all day long. I'm like, thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, if you had to eat one thing and one thing only for every meal from here on forward, what would be the one thing that you would eat? Oh my God. That's hard. You know, there's a practical answer to that question, which is something like sweet potatoes. Okay. Because you can get all your nutrients from a sweet potato, I've heard. Like, that would probably be the smart answer, but that would get real boring, right? Sure. So, I could say something like cream puffs or strawberry starburst. I could say that, too. <laughs> it all works. Whatever, whatever is, you know, whatever suits your appetite, that completely okay, those are my works answers. for you. No problem. All right. Um, and last question is, what is the one thing about you that surprises people the most? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> uh, well, that's a really tough one. Golly gee whiz. Man, what is one thing that surprises people? Uh, are, oh my gosh. Can I that answer? I'm 41. That I'm 41. I know that sounds vain. When I tell people I'm 41, they never believe me. Yes, I don't know. That's you awesome. Say that. I, I love it. That is perfect answer. Mm-hmm. Um, Tiffany, you have been a fantastic guest. I really Thank appreciate you. your openness yeah. and your willingness to share. And I hope that folks have learned a tremendous amount from you because I feel like I have. And then um, and, and on the other side, I feel like it's old home week. I feel such a connection to someone that I've never met before and be like, Hey, Aww. we've got the, we've got this and we've been going through it together. So we have, we show that, you know, you can go through like what people consider the worst thing ever. 
and you can still have a great life. And so that's, I think, what our stories tell people. Yeah. So just a real quick analogy. The way that I see it is um, inside me is, is Rob. That's who I am. And then mm-hmm. outside me is the world. And my body is kind of the medium through which I engage the world. So before mm-hmm. my injury, my, the, who I am was still the same. And the world was still the same. All that's changed is just the way that um, I engage the world. And so there you go. That's Uh, deep. I like that. I'm going to have to think about that again. Cool. Hey, listen, everybody who's been listening, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, Subscribe to the channel. Check us out on YouTube. I've got a new new YouTube channel where we're putting up all of these videos. And um, I will remind you guys, as always, that when you stop learning, you stop living. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you.